can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. Nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. We look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze. We race on Sunday, so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. Through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection, learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision. That's where it all started. 
Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Fly Racing Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Justified Cultures, Traction MXC Covers, and Moto Ice Wrap. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we have none other than the motocross wrenching legend that is Chad Watts. Chad, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Not your first time on there, but it's been too long. How's it going? Everything's going well. Hope it is up there in Canada. Yes, sir, man. It, uh, everything is great. All systems go. Beautiful Wednesday evening, and uh, I imagine it's the same thing goes over at Watts Perfections because uh, every single day you guys roll out some incredible machinery. Yeah, every, I mean, yeah, it's, everything's great, like I mentioned, but um, it was great weather, and it's nice to have green grass instead of brown on the West Coast. Yes, sir. I, I can attest to that, absolutely. And I, it's, it's been a, a beautiful uh, springtime for you guys. Um, so, I, what would uh, what what mode is is Watch Perfections in right now? Obviously, not uh, a huge, huge push just yet for Loretta Lynn stuff. But I imagine that stuff starts to wrap up quickly. And uh, um, new projects coming in all the time. What are some of the most exciting things that you're working on right now? And uh, um, uh, like, do, do you still predominantly do, um, uh, I'd say, a bulk of the work from with your own hand? Yeah, I, I work by myself. Uh, the only thing I outsource is uh, my replating of the cylinders, uh, Nicosealed, but I yep. work by myself because I, I don't trust anyone. I tr- tried hiring people, interns, et cetera, and it's not worked out. So it's just best. It takes longer for the turnaround for the customer, but... I'm only touching it instead of someone else. I'm not going to take that chance, so to speak. But um, Fair yeah, cool projects. I got about uh, 12 to 13 motors here tore apart. I've got, I mean, anywhere from a 2017 back to a 1983, two strokes, and then I have a few four strokes getting modified also. So definitely staying busy. For sure. Now, uh, like obviously, uh, as a uh, as a nostalgic guy, I'm always thinking two strokes. But uh, you yourself are, are uh, very talented, building horsepower, usable horsepower in uh, in two stroke and four stroke models. Um, what would you say is the bulk of your work? Uh, is it uh, because you're so well known for being uh, lights out with the two stroke stuff? Do, you, do most people come to you for that, or uh, are most of the engines you see of, of the four stroke variety? I'd say about all. Sixty percent is two-stroke, forty wow. four-stroke, but people just think of me as a two-stroke guy. Um, but I mean, when I resigned from being Ricky's mechanic at Honda, me and Ron Wood built all the four-stroke motors for Ramsey, Preston, LaRocco, Wyndham. So I've been doing four-stroke motors since 2003, and I learned a lot of stuff, uh, you know, from the engineers overseas. So, yeah, but people just think of me as a two-stroke guy. And I'm trying to, you know, get everybody to realize I'm not just a two-stroke guy. 
<laughs> no kidding. And also, uh, you also dabble uh, in uh, in suspension as well. Uh, like your full understanding of the bike, uh, tip to tail. You, if if someone was to send you some forks, shock someone like that, uh, more than capable, more than uh, uh, have the ability to uh, to make something special happen there as well. Yeah, actually, you're gonna laugh. I'm taking a spring off a YZF250 shock right now. Okay. There you go. Redo the suspension. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, a tip to tail, regardless of what your bike needs, you can go to uh, Watts Perfections, and, uh, and and whether you need to mail yourself out, or you can go to uh, where where exactly? I wouldn't say it all. Like don't get, you don't have to give the address, but whereabouts exactly are you guys located? Located? Shelby, North Carolina. I'm about uh, 45, 50 minutes uh, from Charlotte International Airport. Fair enough. And now I've heard some uh, pretty cool stories of uh, of some some visits to the, to your uh, your your place down there. Is the, is that the same uh, location of uh, there was some pretty storied uh, motocross tracks where uh, in the old days of the nationals uh, there'd be quite a few people who would uh, c- come out and um, make some stays over the years. Yeah, I mean some of the riders like I I only sponsor a certain amount of riders and I have a place built for them to have their own separate private facility so at night time I don't have to hear them and they don't have to yeah. with me and my family so to speak but um, yeah I mean they stay here and when we go testing if it's out of state they, they'll stay here or they'll fly in I build the bike the motor test it and then ship it to the, their location where they live well, that's exciting, my my friend. Well, uh, I, uh, I I know things have been picking up uh, steadily for over the last. Uh, oh, you've you've been at this now for uh, got to be fifteen years. Um, is it still fun for you? Uh, spinning wrenches on these things, like uh, uh, we 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 hear from a lot of mechanics over the years, everything breaks, everything needs to be worked on. But uh, is it still fun for you? You still passionate about it? Yeah, I am. I'm glad I don't have to travel as much as I used to by all means of course i miss you know you you got your friends around your homeland so to speak but you have mm-hmm. your friends on the road at the races and i miss those guys but uh i mean it's it's great i, I mean i can't complain you got a beautiful daughter and so close to the parents so i'm good to go well, there you go. Uh, do you do you make it out to any uh, professional races throughout the year to uh, touch base with a few of those old friends? Or uh, when was the last time you were at a at a, at a professional event? See, I go to Muddy Creek, the national. I did not go last year. I went the year before. I was too busy to go last year. And the last Supercross I've been to was Atlanta before my daughter was born. I just I just don't. It's different when you're a mechanic and you're there doing your work besides a spectator to me at least going through the pits i mean the old days you used to have you know your fanny pack on you didn't have a backpack on and your hat crooked and flirting with the uh, monster energy girls or rock star girls you were there to work so i don't like the pit atmosphere so to speak so i'll just stay away from it Obviously, the the atmosphere at the races is very much different than it was uh, late '90s, early 2000s, and uh, and that's basically uh, one of the reasons why uh, you ended up 
going full, both feet into Watts Perfections, a company that you've been uh, basically running and uh, operating with for almost uh, almost 30 years, 29 years uh, of operations, and uh, tons of horsepower has come and gone from uh, your location. Um, is there a particular machine or uh, is there a type of motorcycle that you prefer to, uh, you, that you look forward to working on most? Is, uh, is it like, like, is there, do you have kind of like a, a favorite girl? Um, of course, KX125s are, you know, uh, sentimental, so to speak, because I've built one of those. I've probably built a thousand of them, um, CR250s. But, I mean, as far as it can be a KTM or Yamaha, um, when it comes in here, I'm going to give it all the same gratitude and the respect and do the customer correct. But, uh, yeah, KX125 is probably my favorite. Fair enough. Well, I, I imagine that uh, there's a ton that do get sent your way. Like you said, you're kind of known for it. Um, and uh, as far as uh, what can be done, like if uh, if they want the full Chad Watts experience and, and uh, all the bells and whistles, what what can you bring to uh, if say say I got a, a 2000 KX 250 or a 125? What what can you do for me to bring that thing uh, to uh, as close to uh, the luster that uh, maybe one of your race bikes would have had back in the day? Well, and I tell customers this all the time, um, and I tell them don't take it wrong, but I want them to get the best for the money that they have the budget for. And because, uh, I mean, you can spend $600 or you can spend $8,000 to have a Carmichael replica motor. You know, there's there's in-between stages also. They can spend 1000 1200 you know, et cetera. But the common uh, price is about around 2200 bucks. Okay. And but where does that get? There's all, these, there's all coatings and ceramic coatings and Teflon coatings. Uh, rim finishing, balancing the cranks, et cetera, et cetera, ceramic bearings, that makes the price go higher okay. when it comes to that. So when it comes to, say, building horsepower, and uh, let's let's use that 2000 KX250 as our, uh, our example. Um, when it comes to that, like we had mentioned off air beforehand, the squish and and uh, and, and then the, the, the critical uh, the critical airspeed of uh, um, of the, the the ports and stuff like that. Take me through building up that particular engine and, and kind of the process of tr- troubleshooting and uh, just getting the most out of every square inch, whether that be uh, short like the, the the shorter carburetors that we saw on the work side of things. Take me through it all. Okay, well, you can't narrow it down to one bike is not going to be the same as all the other bikes, you know, as far as the model goes. Certain bikes, you may have to deck the cylinder. Certain bikes, you may need to raise the cylinder. Uh, then you compensate with the head, transfer height, exhaust force height, um, case flow, intake flow, carburetor flow. Some cases, you'll stuff and flow it into the cylinder. Some cases, you'll take out a little bit of material and make better flow. So it's, it's, it's a wide range, but it depends on one bike may need a little bit more than the other. 
Okay. And, and when it comes to air speeds and uh, and basically like uh, well, I'm trying to explain it, like when when you have uh, uh, when you're trying to create horsepower uh, and if, if you're blowing through a straw, you can only put so much air through that straw before it just won't take any more. But eventually, if you if you try to blow that out too much, eventually you just don't have any air speed. Um, what when it comes to uh, shaving away material and uh, and polishing, uh, how much is too much when it comes to uh, taking taking out material and stuff like that well i'll do both two stroke and four stroke on this uh, comment yeah uh, two strokes a lot of guys because some of the manufacturers the casting is really porous and rough and they'll take too much of it off to make it look pretty and certain ones you may have to add something in that area on the transfer height um of course like you mentioned air in you need to get it out so that comes between the transfers, raising them, exhaust port, four-stroke. That becomes between size of the exhaust valves and intake valves also. And then how many angles and degree on the angles of the seat on a four-stroke. Because you want to get it in there, and you want to get it out of there. Okay. Um, so, like... When it when it comes to uh, like say uh, a, a two fifty two stroke, um, a, a, what, are, what are some of the uh, like like and like that's kind of I understand that's kind of a, a broad spectrum, but uh, um, what are what are what what are you driving at when you're when you're when you're the the very beginning of building horsepower in a in a like say like a either a KX two fifty or a Yamaha two fifty, uh, like. Where where can people find more uh, value in, uh, in in building that engine up? Say a Yamaha YZ250, you can just do the cylinder and the head, uh, put a V-force, modify the intake boot, modify the uh, V-force intake uh, block um, carburetor and pipe and silencer, and you'll know a world of difference right there. Now a KX250, you need to get more involved. You need to go in the cases to match them to the cylinder, remove some material, and et cetera, head cylinder mod, ignition, and now you know a world of difference. But that's the difference between that YZ250 and that KX250 because you have to do more to it than the YZ250. Now, the YZ250, you can take and do balance crankshaft, shot pin rod, et cetera, and make it even better. Uh, so, like, I guess, yeah, like, uh, approaching every engine is a little bit different. They all have a different way of uh, of producing power. They all have uh, places where they can they can improve. Um, over the years, uh, like, just coming across uh, basically like full stock uh, machines, what would you say is one of the most most well appointed uh, motors from stock, whether that be two stroke or four stroke? Um, you talking about production based off the assembly line? Basically, yeah. Or, uh, present, I would say, as far as two-stroke, um, YZ250 and 125. And then four-stroke, I would say, uh, Honda, Cal and KTM. I mean, they're all so close nowadays. You know, 25 years ago, the manufacturers, there was a big difference between you know, the different brands. But the companies, manufacturers, engineers are on so top of it that they're close nowadays. So 
um, really doesn't make a difference. Fair enough. So when it, when it comes to uh, uh, building horsepower and and changing the way the motor works on the inside, uh, how does that affect a uh, like say a, a, the the tune pipe on say a two stroke, where uh, like that's something that's kind of more difficult to change. Um, if, like if exhaust system stays the same, uh, does that hinder your ability to maximize the changes that you've made on the inside of the motor? Um, a little bit, but not so much. I mean, because uh, you'll, you'll set the squish and CCs in the head, and of course, once anytime you uh, put more compression in the motor or tighten the squish up, which creates more compression, you're going to have to always run race gas on them. So, I guess that answers your question. Absolutely. Uh, so, when it, like race gas, and and of course, uh, this this podcast is brought to you by VP Racing Fuels. But uh, when it comes to uh, selecting a race fuel, uh, like uh, especially on a, let's say on a top flight to a two stroke uh, uh, race bike, where where do you lean as far as uh, what fuel to use? Because uh, uh, just like our bodies, we, we put good fuel in our bodies. We want to put good fuel in our, our, our bikes. Uh, like where, where do you lean? And uh, especially uh, pre mix stuff, who do you uh, what what do you trust best with uh, for a mixing oil? In all my two strokes, sixty five cc's up, I run C twelve and Maxima 927. I mean, that's, of course, Maxima 927 burns dirtier. That's a full synthetic, but it lubricates the rod bearing and the main bearing so well. Of course, you have to compensate just a little bit on your jetting. You'll run just a little bit leaner, and it's non-oxygenated. So if a a guy's customer's racing in Alabama one weekend, then goes up somewhere with 3,000 higher feet of uh, altitude, they ain't got to chase their tails so much because if it's oxygenated fuel, they'd have to run it richer and then go leaner at a higher altitude. Interesting. Yeah, no, I've, I've been uh, flying the 927 flag for a long time, and I absolutely love that stuff. Um, is there, has there, like, and maybe you don't have to be too specific, but it, was there any every time uh, during the professional career when uh, maybe the, the team wasn't sponsored by uh, Maxima, but uh, you just had to use that oil because uh, the, the best product for the job is what's best to use? Now, I'll put it this way. I'm not going to mention the, the, the teams or the uh, company of the oil, but if we thought the oil was better for that particular bike, you took the cap off, dumped that oil out of your sponsor, and filled it up with what you wanted and used it at the races. Fair enough. Well, uh, uh, hey, whatever needs to get the job done. When when uh, when a fan is seeing you pour oil into uh, into an, into a motor or, or into uh, some suspension, uh, they they don't have to know that that's not exactly the uh, uh, the the exact uh, fluid that that was uh, that, that was that, that that came in that bottle. You know what I mean? It's uh, those are sponsorship dollars, and uh, we see that all the time. Whether that would be with uh, bars, seat foams, uh, even. Uh, uh, even uh, air filters over the years, uh, someone will run a sticker over running a real product uh, because uh, it, basically the, the sponsors do pay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to take care of your sponsors. I mean, without them, the teams, you know, it'd be a money struggle by all means. You know, Mitch is, uh, excuse my language, one hell of the best guys ever in the industry of the sport and a, a very good man, personal, also. 
but his sponsors, you know, that helps his race team out big time. Because, I mean, that's multi-millions of dollars. For sure. And, and his uh, customer division would never be able to support that race team. So you have to take care of your sponsors. And Mitch is very good at doing that, by all means. Absolutely. Now, uh, I think this is a little bit off topic, but uh, uh, the the split fire uh, spark plugs that were uh, oh Lord, I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Those things. Uh, well, the company itself is actually out of business now, predominantly due to lawsuits in uh, in, in false advertising. So safe to say that those guys uh, maybe. The, the horsepower gains that were suggested by those split fire plugs uh, was, wasn't to be. Uh, what was your experience with that company? Because you used a lot. Uh, you probably like you, you. You built a lot of bikes with a big old split fire across the side of those uh, those shrouds. Oh man, this is a touchy situation. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty way. years ago, man. I put I put a different brand of plug in the box. Okay. <laughs> So the people need to see it. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, okay. Well, like, like, did you guys ever, like, when you did use them or or, or test with them, uh, how how long was that process before you're like, all right, these things are no good? Um, The dyno. And then the test track. And at that that point, um, you know, it was for the team's sake. We had to make some decisions. Well, from from my understanding, it was actually used in a race uh, with uh, with Nathan Ramsey because that's ended up uh, what what ended up breaking in uh, in one of his uh, the losses that, the year that he actually won the championship. And actually, I forgot about that. But you bring it up, I never actually asked the situation because I can't remember if that was we were already gone from Pro Circuit. Um, and I never yeah, asked okay, about it because yeah. you know it's, it's not my business. You know I ain't gonna ask someone because I mean a freaking DNF. You know I was lucky; I only had one in my whole career at all. But uh, wow. you don't go up to a mechanic and go, "What happened?" You know that's kind of like a sore subject. You know if they want to talk about it, let them talk about it. Okay. But you don't bring it up out of respect. Uh, I, I, I respect that, my friend. You're uh, you, you're a man of uh, of true respect and honor. I appreciate that. But uh, um, like that that was always that's always kind of been. Uh, I find it a little bit funny in the fact that those bikes are so iconic, and there's so many builds, and there's so many like trying to replicate that particular bike, and that logo uh, is always splattered right across the, the the shrouds of a company that I guarantee that there's not a single person that's ever built one of those bikes that's uh, even gone to the trouble of hunting down one of those spark plugs but that 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 to me is kind of interesting um well you know another thing you might not know yeah back when mitch started the uh peak honda team you know sponsored by hot wheels okay yeah hot wheels per service name is trademarked so patent so it can't be reused well hot wheels made some kind of little Car track deal that you buy at Walmart, Target, etc., right. and had Pro Circuit on it. So that's how Hot Wheels became Pro Circuit sponsor. Either you know they're going to get you know sued, which is legit because the name is patent, or sponsor the team. 
<laughs> so it worked out good. Fair enough. Well, that's, sometimes things work out a little bit. It's almost kind of a, a gentleman's deal there where I'm like, I'm going to sue your pants off or you guys are going to help out the team for, uh, well, they, they were a sponsor of the team for quite some uh, years, I believe. Even Yeah, it all, it all turned out. It all yeah. turned out good. There was no, you know, no roughness, no sore edges, so to speak. But I can always remember in Mitch's cubicle, I don't know if he still has it there now, but he always has had one of the boxes of the Hot Wheels with the Pro Circuit name on it and it sat in his office. Because when yeah. you go in Mitch Payton's office in the old days, it, it looked like uh, trying to find a needle in a haystack, so to speak. He was organized. He knew where everything was. But if I had to go in there and find some paperwork to order titanium bolts or something, I couldn't do it. I'd have to get him and say, go get this for me. <laughs> okay, that sounds more like a needle in a stack of needles than uh, <laughs> than even a needle in a haystack. Uh, yeah, Mitch, Mitch is the highest guy I respect. He's like a father to me. For sure. Well, well, how did you guys end up working together in the first place? Like, uh, uh, how do you go from Shelby, North Carolina, to being one of the the top flight uh, mechanics working with uh, with Mitch Payton in in California? Because, uh, like, like obviously there there had to have been some sort of a learning curve with your work, but uh, like all the way back to working with guys like Mike, Mike Brown at the at the amateur level, uh, you seem to uh, kind of almost be like a, a, a fish in water when it came to uh, working on these bikes, especially uh, the green ones. Yeah, it all happened. I started at um, Bar's Competition here in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, Bobby Barr owns it, and his son, Rodney Barr, had a factory ride in the early 80s from okay, yeah. Kawasaki. And he's the first one to ever win the East-West shootout at um, L.A. Coliseum. Okay. So I worked for Bobby, and we went to, uh, like, Gainesville, Redlands, Ponca, and I got to know the Team Green staff, like Jose Gonzalez, Mark Johnson, etc. And then uh, I called up Jose and asked him if a rider needed a mechanic. And at that time... Ryan Hughes and McGrath did. Okay. So um, I moved out there. Uh, I was ahead of my uh, credits in school. I only needed one and a half credit going into my senior year, so I did homeschool. Came back. I was going to say you're a young guy here. Like this is you're 19. Uh, I was 17. I was 17. 17. And I made I made a hundred dollars a week. And me and Ryan, because I was 17, Ryan was 16. So we live with his. Um, mom, Kathy, and his father, God bless him, he passed away, Bill, and we just won like 12 or 14 amateur nationals that year in 1990, and then just bumped up, bumped up, and bumped up. There you go, and uh, eventually you would also work for um, for for Ryan as a, as a professional, I believe, uh, 1993. Oh wait! Uh, his no, first I, I, years. I was Ryan's mechanic from 1990 to 1995. Yeah, but I was, I was just... not his mechanic when that chain broke at Steel City. No, because <laughs> I got put in house for motor development at Pro Circuit, <laughs> but I was not the mechanic when that chain broke. Well, like uh, I, I know you mentioned it's a sore subject when you bring up DNFs, but and you only had one of them. What the heck was it? It was a uh, night. 19, I think 98, I believe, 98 or 90, 98, uh, when Dowdy 
was on the uh, YZ125, and him and Ricky were close to points. Yeah. And the freaking bottom of the sky fell out Southwick. Well, automatically, because it's so deep of sand, uh, even if it wasn't raining, you automatically bumped your main jet up like three sizes. It sounds rich on the sand, but it's good on the bike. Well, um, it freaking poured down. And half a lap to go. Um, all three of the four uh, bikes at that time, I believe it was Casey Johnson, uh, Ricky, uh, I can't remember the other two riders that particular year, but three of our bikes blew up before the finish line, and then Casey Johnson blew up right after the finish line going towards the semi. Wow. I mean, we did. We, we lowered the compression. We did everything, but, I mean, we're, like Mitch used to say, that particular year, the production KX125, if you had two of them, you put it on the dyno, one maybe 29 horsepower, one maybe 30, uh, 31. So Mitch saying is, yeah, Mitch is saying we're making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Well, there you go. So, you made some pretty I mean, we're tasty. Bump, we're, bumping, we're bumping a little bit under 40 horsepower. So, but I'll never forget that DNF, never. No kidding. Uh, yeah, that that year you got none of you guys made it through. Basically, uh, well, I guess Casey did, but uh, didn't. If it didn't make it to the truck, I still count that as a as a, as a DNF almost. But uh, <laughs> uh, flag. So yeah, because yeah. I was not only Ricky's mechanic those years ninety, actually ninety six when I was Pichon's, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. I was also team manager, so I had to order all the parts. Took all the plane flights, the hotels for the team, etc. So I don't know how, know how I did it. Sure as heck, I can't do it now because I'm 44. No kidding. Well, you still no, excuse, still... excuse me, I'm 45. Wow, 40, 45 now. Uh, uh, that's a that's a lot to have on your plate in your uh, your late twenties. Um, or yeah, you you've been late twenties at the at the time, or mid, mid to late twenties at the time. Um, like. Who who was working on Ricky's bikes as a, as for for practice bikes uh, and like cause I I know uh, he was notorious for just being like hard on practice stuff. The guy rode probably more than any professional uh, ever did. Yeah, um, see, uh, like at Pro Circuit time when he was on one twenty five, we I'd build a couple bikes, send it to him, and then send engines a spare backup so Big Rick could change them if needed. And he had plenty of parts. But like at Kawasaki, we would ship uh, two bikes. I'd build them, ship them complete. And spare motors, suspension wheels, da da da. But uh, when he got to Honda, he always had two full works bikes, just like he raced. And then I had one uh, in California, in Torrance, at the Honda facility. And he, he'd call me and say, hey, I'm or Big Rick would call, we're sending this bike back. So I'd put the other one prepped in a crate, send it to him, and they'd send another one back. And that was every two weeks. Every two weeks? Uh, I don't like, like, uh, 
I, I, I wouldn't even dare to ask, but was was Ricky able to basically time out either a, a frame or even a motor in, uh, in, in in two weeks as far as uh, so the, the the punishment on those machines? Because between his sand track and uh, between him riding his outdoor track and the turn track, uh, that guy put some serious load on a, on a motor. Hold on one second. My daughter's in here. You're fine, okay. honey. Sorry about that, daughter. Okay. Laura, she's going on seven. She came in here to jump rope. Um, yeah, Ricky, when Ricky sent a bike back, I mean, it looked like it had been rode for four months. I mean, like in 96, I built Nikhil Bichon one practice bike. That's all I had to build him. <laughs> in 02, I built um, over 40 engines. Uh, just for practice motors between, like, uh, see, that year it was Ricky, Fonseca, and Tortelli. I'd take motors home and build them at night and bring them back, and we just had a shelf and had all the practice motors ready to go and just send them out. And then Jonathan, he would uh, assemble the bikes, and then they'd go to Florida. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EBO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. Hey, this is Zach Cummins from Phoenix Racing Co. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. Justified Cultures is the kind of apparel from the moment you put it on makes you feel like it was made just for you. Quality, comfortable apparel designed for and inspired by the live what you love lifestyle. Woven throughout the moto, desert, skate, and surf culture of Justified is the desire to celebrate human achievement, to inspire and create a modern lifestyle brand reflecting today's generation. Zach Commons, Matty Jesse, Phoenix Racing Co., Dominique Daffay, Cody Matichuk, and John Short are just a few athletes who don Justified Cultures clothing. Passion needed a clothing line to speak to the way that it lived each day. So, we created Justified Cultures. Navigate JustifiedCultures.com to easily view over 40 individual styles to help you make a statement every time you step outside. As presenting sponsor to Big MX Radio, lock in promo code BIGMX17 when checking out at JustifiedCultures.com to receive 30% off your Justified Cultures clothing. Express your lifestyle with Justified Cultures. Live what you love. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. 
Hey guys, this is Cade Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed too. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now, and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between. Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-pack of tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the Viral Brand. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new Cone Work is the right system for the job. 
When it comes to four strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. That, that's incredible. Now, like you, you, like motor building is no small task, and I think uh, more, uh, mechanics and even team managers had more on their plate uh, in the uh, in the early uh, mid like the '90s and even early 2000s, and then they they do now a lot of like with suspension guys and motor guys. Uh, like the, the guys on race day are, are at, at times, uh, especially some of the the guys that don't have the all the support in the world. More of their grips, graphics, and keep her clean. Um, like how. How did you develop the uh, kind of like the, what was the, what was the learning curve like for you? Learning how to do suspension, learning how to build horsepower, learning how to have stuff that was that was crazy out of like crazy powerful but still reliable, so that it's not going to pop uh, mid race. Uh, like, wh- how did you find out that razor's edge? Well, first of all, like the younger mechanics nowadays, you need to have an open mind, not be a Mister Know It All. Um, you respect the people you work around, and you, you absorb the technology and knowledge because they're willing to provide it. You know, they learned it from, like, Cliff White. Sure, he learned it from uh, someone else when he was younger at Honda. And Cliff was a sharp guy, um, or, or is, I should say. Um, and you just soak up the knowledge, and when you do that, all the engineers... And uh, Japan staff, U.S. staff, um, when you respect them, they're going to teach you more knowledge than a Mr. Know-it-all going at them like they've done it a hundred times, but they've only really done it ten times, as in where, say, like Cliff, he has built probably 10,000 bikes. Um, you respect and you will learn. For sure, you have to like like I went through my apprenticeship process to be uh, to be a journeyman bricklayer, and uh, during your apprenticeship, you you work under a journeyman, someone who's been through it all, seen everything, and is going to bestow their uh, their their knowledge on you, and you, you treat that person with the utmost respect. Um, uh, like you don't have to name any names, but was there ever a time when there was a young mechanic that maybe didn't give you the respect that you deserved uh, after? Uh, like as you basically really established yourself as uh, one of the top wrenches uh, as early as by 1997-98. Uh, I had to think about that one for a second. But, uh, yeah, cause I'll back up just a second. I'll be quick about this. Of course. Yeah, learning from all those guys is grateful. But you got to learn by yourself also. So you study, you uh, learn the bike, how... Everything needs to go. So, I mean, heck, I used to, still today, I work seven days a week. I work around 16 hours. I mean, you got to put the effort in. And don't rely on all those other that you're learning knowledge for. You need to learn yourself also when it comes to that. But now you got to ask that question again. 
<laughs> well, like uh, obviously, like you, you, you'd mentioned that you treated your uh, uh, the, the, the guys that you learned from with the utmost respect. You learned, you listened, you learned, uh, and that's why you are as good as you are today. Uh, is, is there anybody that, uh, as a new mechanic or a young uh, a young uh, mechanic, didn't maybe didn't give you that, that same respect, or uh, uh, like just didn't maybe just value uh, you trying to teach them back in the day? Um, now, present day, um, I think about that one, but in, in the racing days, all us mechanics respected each other. Tony Belluti, Goose, um, I mean, Tom Morgan, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, we all respected each other. Lee McCullen, I mean, we all respected each other. You know, we're like a, friends, which... You know, we were friends. I mean, heck, we had barbecues at one of the houses because uh, most of the mechanics lived by uh, Corona. We'd have barbecue, hang out, you know, at their house, or they'd come to my house, and uh, showed, I mean, it, it's friendship more than respect. And that's, to me, friendship's better than respect. Oh, for sure. I think there was definitely a, a greater camaraderie uh, in throughout your era uh, as a mechanic than uh, than ever before. Uh, I think maybe rivaled in, in the the age with box band days. But uh, you yourself uh, working with uh, Rhino that 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 was very much box band days. Um, can you touch on that at all? What uh, working with uh, like basically you guys were uh, support level Kawasaki and uh, with JT gear and uh, a parts budget and uh, make the best of it, man. What was it like working with uh, with Rhino as as a young guy? I'm sure he was every bit as hard headed as he was uh, as a uh, as a as a top flight uh, 250 guy. Uh, Rhino was great to work for, and his family was so good. I mean, they're classy, they're hard workers. But uh, I, I wish I had a dollar for every time either I picked up the visor or a customer, or excuse me, uh, yeah. Spectator brought me the button visor on the JT helmet because he he rode bullet head about half of the races because he'd crash, and so I'd get the visor and take it back, put it back on the helmet. Da da da. But uh, yeah, I mean we we did good. You know, uh, after we won like Loretta's and Ponca and all that in 1990, we went to uh, I think at that time it was Millville was the next national so went there he did good and prior to that the first national was at hangtown and he ran like second and third with like Podowski, um uh Lerock, not Morocco, Podowski, cooper and etc and he finished like fourth or fifth i mean he was a freaking worker by all means uh, for sure, like like he's he's known for being like super hardworking, hard headed at, at, at times. Uh, was there uh, was there ever a time when uh, like when you and uh, and Rhino uh, disagreed on, on on setup or or how to uh, how to how to make the bike uh, just work best on a certain track? And then when you came across that, maybe with him or with, with another rider that you worked with in your professional career, how did you uh, kind of resolve that? And and like as because. Like at this time, like, te- like rider and mechanic, we're, we're we're a bit of a team. Obviously, one guy's tuning it and the other guy's uh, twisting the throttle. But uh, there there was a lot more input from uh, from your side, I believe. 
Yeah, Rhino, he was he was pretty easy. I mean, you could give him a freaking, which we did not, or I did not, give him a bike that's 18 horsepower, and he can make it look like it has 40. I mean, he rode the freaking wheels off the thing. Um, same thing with Ricky. I mean, Ricky rode, and both those guys had the heart that it took. Now, were they both natural talents? No. But they comp, you know, they made it up by their hard work and their aggression. Now, uh, Mikel Bichon, he was all talent. He was no endurance, so to speak. Good kid. Um, I ain't seen him probably since 99 or whenever he got sent back overseas. But you got to have both. But I think the heart and the drive will outlast the uh, natural talent. I totally agree. I think there's uh, there's an argument to be made that, uh, with exception uh, of Chad Reed and uh, James Stewart, that the, the bulk of our champions over the last uh, fi- 15 years or so uh, have been have been built over just straight up grit and determination. Ricky Carmichael, although like on a motorcycle, if you watched him all by himself, still amazing. He did incredible things on two wheels, but. Uh, uh, like just you can just see in his riding style, not naturally talented at it. He just worked and bulldogged and 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 trained and 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 just like I'm sure like hate to lose uh, like type of mentality. He was able to to get to where he was and and, and just be 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 what he became, which is one of the the, the most winningest motocross racer that uh, has ever thrown a leg over a bike. But uh, um, when it comes to just straight up natural ability, that's uh, um, that's just, just he, he he's just not that. Um, do you think that at all? Uh, like, if you were to choose one or the other, or maybe like a, a like you say it's a mix, um, like is it is it safe to say that you'd want to have more heart than than? Ability because sometimes that ability uh, kind of make you sit on your laurels a little bit. I'd rather have a rider with heart and desire because at the end of the outcome, just like Dungey, people are bagging on him, which I don't agree with all. Because I mean, he's a champion for a reason. He's smart. He rides good, and people say, you know, well, he's just getting championship because so and so got hurt. Da da da. That kid works. Well, he's not a kid now. He works his behind off, and people need to show respect towards riders. That they do, absolutely, and like, yeah, like you're right. The, the, you don't get you don't get four uh, Supercross championships uh, with by, by luck or by just uh, laying up or, or not having not, not having the speed. He's the the best guy uh, year after year after year, and uh, maybe never was able to totally solve uh, the. The, the tenacity that was uh, Ryan Villopoto, but uh, I think uh, the, the number five will go down as being absolutely one of the greats. I totally agree. Um, so, uh, is, are, are there any uh, like, um, like stories that you wanted to, to, to chat a little bit about, Chad? This is your time. This is your podcast. I wanted to give you the opportunity to come on and, uh, and kind of just run through the gamut as far as uh, some cool stories that you had during your professional career as a wrench mechanic. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind? No, I had to think about that. There's so many, and here in the country, we got this old saying. You know, I, I I got more stories than Carter's got pills. That's towards President Carter in the old days, so to speak. <laughs> um, 
I mean, uh, one of the awesome moments was um, Paris, I believe it was Saint D'Angelo, it was 2000, um, uh, and that's when Ryan and Ricky and Pastrana was on the Nations team, and we won. Okay. So it was kind of cool. I had Rhino, my old rider, and then I had my present rider. So, and Ryan's family was there. My mom, I flew her, da da da. So, you know, that was kind of like a cool little atmosphere, so to speak, in a small circle. Um, uh, there's tons of them. I mean, win the uh, first outdoor championship with Ricky. I mean, the perfect season in '98 on 125 East Coast. Uh, perfect season in 2002 on the CR 250. I mean, there's just so there's so many. What, what were the some of the tricker things about that uh, that CR 250? Uh, I, I know that there's there's uh, like there's uh, been times where the the choke is removed from the uh, from the carburetor. A lot of uh, like modifications that way. What were some of the things that you guys were doing to uh, to maximize that motor? Uh, CR250, um, people will make a lot of mistakes because 2002 to 2007, CR250s are hard to find. But uh, Ricky was so used to a key hand uh, carburetor throttle fill on the Kawasaki. Right. So, or machinist at Honda made a bell, da da da. We put on dyno, it sucked. Ricky went, wrote it for a lap, and he said, take it off. Uh, so, a lot of the customers. They freaking try to put PWKs on it. They're losing their money. Um, I'm sorry. I'm taking a shock shock apart right now. Um, But, yeah, the uh, CR250 works by the uh, carburetor was not shortened on it. Only time a carburetor was shortened was the KX125 and uh, not the KX250. But the Honda, it was... The electrical system, ignition programming, was a big advantage. Of course, the suspension. Of course, um, we had this stuff that wasn't available to the public. And all of it made a really good bike. And then you do compression, squish, crank, etc. And overall, you know, that, that thing made a lot of horsepower, by all means. Lots of horsepower and lots in the, in that uh, that right hand of uh, of RC, but uh, hard headed as far as his bike setup goes. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, a guy who, uh, regardless of how poorly he was making it through the whoops, uh, he wanted that thing low, slow, and uh, probably one of the longest looking bikes I've ever seen on a stand. Yeah, he uh, he was willing, which this made sense, especially because. Alden Baker, Baker Factory, which I gave a nickname Waldo years ago because I kept calling him Eldon or Alden, so I just called him Waldo. But anyway, uh, that was it's more important because in the hoops you have one minimum or two sections. Okay, you have about sixteen, maybe fourteen corners. So it was more important to build him be able to over jump land in the corner and stick it and go instead of stick it and then return and return to make the corner. So he was willing to sacrifice the hoops a little bit 
before the cornering. Yeah, and, and by all means, means, the guy still pinned it through there, and, and I think that probably goes down to the the, the heart and desire side of things. But uh, um, it often, like even even like when he, the the nineties or the late two thousand early two thousands when. Uh, when Ricky did the the bars right into the lap and down like that, is that pro- predominantly like his style coming off the back of the motorcycle that he kind of opened up the cockpit so much that he could uh, roll the bars down so much, or does that have more to do with his pint size height? No, it has to do with the head sim height okay. location. He was so used to the cowie being lower at the head stem where the top of the race is and the upper jam nut top clamp joins and Honda is taller so he stopped using his bars and started using McGrath bend and if I'm not mistaken that year McGrath used Ricky's bend that's so funny he just had to get that um that comfortness so to speak but he was really picky about his seats I had like 10 to 12 seats I custom shaved different density all covered and ready to go and he could race with one seat, and next week I put a new cover on it. Maybe he'll race next week with it. But then he'll go, I don't feel comfortable on this track with that seat. So I'd bring all the seats down. And there's a couple times he would bring his practice bike seat, because he was used to it. Looked like a freaking dog chewed the whole side of it, and I had to patch it and put a new cover on it, and that's what he wanted to race with that weekend, and he'd take that seat and take it back home. That's that 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 is mind blowing. Uh, like a, like a practice seat that uh, thing is uh, probably uh, probably been been washed a hundred times, and it's, or it's been out, out, out like I wouldn't say maybe left in the rain, but just been thrown through the like just thrashed uh, as far as uh, practice bikes go. Is when you mentioned that uh, the RC was hard on stuff. Um, was there anything that he was particularly uh, like very finicky about as far as his setup or something that needed to be new all the time, uh, like like other than the seat? No, that that was about it. I mean, I knew him so well that I had I knew exactly where the levers went, the position, the play, the handlebar uh, bar rotation, height, that I could set it and he'd come to the race and he'd sit on the stand and he'd go, oh, it's good, don't need to change it. So he did that like all the time, as if where uh, Mikhail Bichon, one day he made me uh, change four sets of handlebars because he said they weren't right, which they were. Fair enough. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, Mikhail might have given you uh, more than, uh, probably a little bit more than you could handle as far as uh, uh, finickiness. And I think that's, uh, I, I, I've talked to Tony Berluti about that. He says the exact same thing. And uh, uh, um, that, that's, that's like just kind of been the, the tail of the tape when it comes to Mikhail. Um, it, like after you went away from uh, or came away from pro- professional renting, is there wrenching? Has there ever been kind of uh, has it ever called called you back a little bit or like, kind of wish you could be get back into it? Uh, or when you left cold turkey, uh, was was that that and you haven't really given it too much thought? Um, actually, before I left Honda, after stopped being Ricky's mechanic and went in house for the four stroke engines. Um, I had, I mean, I was thinking, you know, at that time I was only 31, 32 years old, and I was thinking, okay, well, house market's good right now. Um, I don't want to stay out here 
and I definitely don't want to go on the road and be a mechanic um, when I'm 55 and have to figure out something else. So that's when uh, actually David Bailey, he uh, he's the one who came up the name for Watch Perfections because he said I'm a perfectionist, etc. But I went and sat down with Mitch and told him my idea, and he agreed with it. You know, I did that because I trust his decision. So when he gave me the yes, even though it has nothing to do with first circuit by any means, um, he gave me the yes. I resigned from Honda. Oh, you know his his opinion mattered. Once again, it had nothing to do with first circuit, but it was just between me and Mitch. Well, that's a, a, a relationship that I, I think that uh, from the conversations that I've talked with you, it uh, seems like one that you, you value probably more than uh, than any other one that you had within the industry. Um, like, speak, speaking of Mitch specifically, working with him as, uh, like, he, he's an extremely knowledgeable guy. Uh, he knows, uh, he, he's a hard worker, you're a hard worker. That's probably why you guys uh, um, mesh so well together. Um, working alongside him and working with him with the, with the race team, um, was there any, like, difficult times within that relationship to build it to where it is right now? Um. Yeah, I mean, of course, especially when uh, the original Pro Circuit customer division was in Anaheim and our race shop was in Corona next to Troy Lee's Designs' old place, and it all got comp- uh, put together when Mitch has a present facility, Pro Circuit built, and uh, he had a lot of stress, you know, up and down, so to speak. But uh, Mitch, he... He's such a daggum hard worker. I mean, he he he's your friend. He, he's your friend. I think he's, he's your friend if you're if you're willing to work for him. Like it's like uh, uh, he'll he'll give you what you uh, what you give back to him as far as uh, like effort and uh, and and results. Uh, like they've always said, like if, if you if you'll win for for uh, for Mitch, uh, he'll he'll take care of you. Uh, being the fact that uh, you present, were able to bring him one two. I got the I most number one place on his door still to this I was, day. I was going to say, yeah, mo- most number one door, including one with uh, uh, Pashon. Um, like, uh, like, do you guys still talk on a regular basis? How how do you, uh, and probably when was the last time you saw the guy? Uh, Redlands, I saw him uh, last year. And then actually, let's see, wasn't this Sunday, last Sunday, I text him and Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I congratulate them on the uh, Josh Hill Championship. Oh, right on. Uh, hey. but, but, yeah, but Mitch, is, this is a quick, funny story. Mitch liked to not argue, but he would push the buttons. And I was team manager, when I was, like I mentioned in the prior conversation. Yep. And I learned that just don't talk to him. So we went for seven days without talking to each other. He rolled my office, and he won't ask me a question. I write down a piece of paper and hand it to him. I wouldn't even talk to him. We went for seven days doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a funny one there. What like what, like were you just you didn't want to if he he wouldn't argue with you if you didn't st- you didn't talk to him so like what what was you like what kind of questions were you asking and you would just write I, down I can't remember I can't remember the <laughs> uh, 
exactly the question he'd ask, and I'd just write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to him. Fair and, enough. And uh, he'd just roll out. And I could always tell when Mitch, when Mitch does the double row and his head's looking down, he ain't happy. So he'd leave my office doing that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Now, you'd mentioned Bones Bacon. That guy has been around, like, it almost seems synonymous with Pro Circuit. Uh, how closely did you work with him in your days at uh, Pro Circuit, or was he even there? Okay, uh, see, of course, Rhino Hughes got hurt quite a bit in Hamster Days, so, you know, might have been four weeks, six weeks, he'd be out. So, um, I worked with Bones in the suspension department, and that's the first way... I knew how to build a shock fork before going in there, but work with Bones, and uh, I know Bones very well. He would let me stay at his house instead of me driving an hour and 15 minutes from Escondido, where Ryan's house was, up to Pro Circuit. He'd let me stay at his house and sing with uh, Mitch Payton, so I know him pretty well. Okay, fair enough. So those those guys live further down uh, the the, uh, the 15th? Yeah, uh, no, Bones, he used to have a house. It was off the 405. Okay. Um, but he lives, he has been close to Pro Circuit probably now for 20 years. And Mitch, he had his house. But uh, some years ago, uh, since he got married and had his twins with his wife, he bought like an old, I think, uh, old farmhouse and had it restored in Norco, which is above Corona. Okay, cool. Um, like uh, before, before we wrap it up, let, let's talk a little bit about the KX 125s that you built. Uh, you'd mentioned the chicken salad, uh, chicken shit, but you made some pretty beautiful looking chicken salad over the years, uh, and um, and and built especially at, like with, with whether it be Prashans, uh, uh like full chrome uh, race bike, which I believe that was uh, your uh, the year that you were, uh, worked with him, which is ninety six. Yeah, um, yeah, we ran that. Supercross, yeah. 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 Uh, first of all, what was that work uh, like to work with? And uh, um, w- like uh, building those bikes, like y- you must, you always took a lot of pride in what you did. Yeah, um, and I got in trouble too over the years because I would work till three or four in the morning and loading the lift gate up and shot, you know, shut down the rig, so to speak, and go get two hours of sleep. Um, because I was very, and still am, very, very particular. Uh, and I'd rather take the time, uh, whether that's convenient for another person, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to take care of my rider, and I'm going to give them 110%. That's the way I do to my customers. I ain't worried about going out to dinner at 8 o'clock on Friday night and, you know, um, being at the track at 8. I'll work till three or four, and I got up, ate breakfast, and went. So you had to take care of your rider. For sure, it's, it seems like uh, like uh, the 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 more uh, de- dedicated and the more hardworking the rider, the the, the better the two of you uh, kind of w- were successful. It seems like uh, like uh, the two of you kind of brought out the best in each other in that particular. Um, uh, personality trait is that uh like may- maybe uh Pichon was able to get a championship under uh you building it but uh like i guess uh personality wise you guys didn't quite gel hey, not that he was you know completely arrogant so to speak 
But uh, he's a little moody. I'll put it that way. Fair enough. Uh, they chalk that up on maybe a, uh, uh, a, a language barrier, as he was at that time uh, like pretty new to the, the language of English, and uh, you being from uh, Shelby, North Carolina, um, maybe uh, a talk uh, spoke with a, a little bit more of a, a twang to it? Um, oh, yeah. I got the twang. You can tell that by all means. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, Pichon and Pichon's wife, they could speak perfect English. Oh, really? Um, like... So there was there was really no issues when it came towards that. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Um, well, um, build, building up, a, uh, say, like a 1998... Uh, Let's get a 1997 KX125, Ricky's first professional year. That bike is uh, will go down in history as one of the most uh, potent race bikes that uh, that he was that he threw a leg over in the early portion of his career. Uh, what were some of the things that you were having to do and change for him to become comfortable as a new professional? Because uh, the kid uh, was he was small. I imagine he was light uh, as far as that his size goes, and um, like what were some of the Change you were making to that thing to make it go. I'll tell something funny real quick. '96 when he rode the, uh, the first national at Steel City, yep. he was so freaking small. He had the uh, Roost Two from Fox, the kid chest protector. Yeah, I put it on; it would only go down to my rib cage. He was that small then. Yeah, but he uh, was so tiny. And, yeah, and he, he raced two. Fi- on a, he raced a two fifty at, uh, at Loretta's that year. Uh, that's what blows me away is that he rode a, rode a two fifty that year and won. Yeah, he's a badass. Excuse my language. I don't know if I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. I'm here about it again. Yeah. He's, he's a badass, straight up, legit. But uh, the '97 bike, um, it was more lowering factor for him because he was still a little bit short legged, so to speak. Um, so it was subframe modifications, seat modification, uh, minusing the uh, shock stroke length, um, and races, because you could change the races. You could have a 20 offset clamps, which that year, I can't remember, it's it probably more like 22 or 24s that year. But we had half degree races, so we could tuck the front end in so they could uh, rail the corners and supercross. But when you went to South Wick, you turned on the opposite direction to rake the front end out, so that way the front end would be lighter and carry momentum. So he he was not picky. Like I say, only thing he was picky about was his seat. That was it. <laughs> Fair that's that's kind of an odd thing to be uh, to to be picky about. But yeah, like you said, short legs. He's he's probably spending uh, a little bit more time close to that seat than anybody else. Um, Chad, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. You are a Pete offender as far as a guest goes, and uh, I'm going to have to have you on again sometime soon, my friend. Uh, I, I hope that everybody goes and checks out Watts Perfections and uh, and follows you personally on social media to, to keep up with the pictures and the, the projects that you have. You are, of, of course, on Instagram at dcw 2 40 um and uh yeah i just can't say enough good things about you man you're you're my kind of uh, guy as far as a, a hard-working uh dedicated individual and uh you do amazing work and i'm glad to have had you on the show again to share some stories and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime oh, that sounds great awesome man well uh where, where can people reach you for uh to get some work done over at watts perfections 
the shock number is 704-538-9990. Email is my personal name, Chad Watts, dot the business name, Watts Perfections. Make sure that's plural at yahoo.com. Perfect, man. Well, hopefully you're sending some people your way, and uh, thank you so much for giving me some time. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. All right. Thank you very much.